Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the week three college football betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. They say it's not a great college football slate. They say there's no marquee games, but every weekend is a marquee weekend when you're betting on these games. What's going on, Colin? I got a call from my grandmother. She says, well, this weekend's college football slate is like putting lipstick on a pig. I said, Grandma, you can bet on at least 60, 70 games this weekend. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm happy with this slate. Yeah, Colin, you're headed up to Lambeau to see uh, this year's Super Bowl champ Packers against the Vikings in a game I like. But we'll still be on live this weekend on Saturday morning. We'll tweet out the links. We'll go through Saturday's card. We'll also still have our podcast that we'll record on sunday make sure you don't forget about the voicemails check out our twitter accounts to get the number rant rave yell scream cry whatever you need to do but today as we always do we go through the friday night and saturday slate we'll get to friday night lights later i think we disagree on a few games uh we'll get to our money line parlay as well but first let's start with our favorite segment which we always start with which is look ahead or look away hangovers sleepers and the dreaded sandwich spot is it time to look ahead or look away look for those that are new we what we do is we'll look ahead to next week and see how those games on the docket might influence this week's game you know if a team might be looking ahead they might rest starters early. They might not be fully focused. And, you know, it ultimately comes down to the number. It is, you know, sort of a guiding point for how we start the conversation. So the first one we'll start with is a pretty fascinating game uh, between USC and BYU. This line's been bouncing, you know, between three and a half, four, four and a half. USC, a road favorite. I believe they're ranked now, uh, you know, up to 24, 25. USC, you know, they beat a wounded Stanford team, and now they have a massive game with Utah on deck next Friday night. Uh, BYU, I think, is a live home dog here. I think this line is way too high. At any time I get a chance to fade Clay Helton, I'm jumping at the opportunity. What do you see here? Yeah, Clay Helton on the road, one of our favorite fades. But no, you're right. Our Action Network power rankings make this USC minus one. There's a lot going on here with both teams. I mean, we got BYU off of an overtime win on the road. We got USC uh, coming off of a conference, a big conference win, a big emotional conference win uh, with their new quarterback, their new freshman quarterback. And this is kind of a sandwich game uh, before the big test against Utah. Sandwiches! Which is going to be only six days away since they're playing on a Friday night. If you look at this game, BYU, they were the number one team in the country last year it's stopping the explosive play so what that means is is you're not able to throw for 20 30 40 yards yet you watch usc last week go up against stanford and finally somewhere around the second quarter keaton slovis figures out how to run graham harrell's air raid and it's just being slung all over the field and they're running stanford out of the building so you know the thing about byu this year is that they're still stopping explosive plays tennessee only had one play that went uh, one pass that went over 20 yards but they're being pushed around all over the field i mean you could still move the chains on them so I like the under in this. I mean, it's rising up to 54. I have it less than that. But I definitely like BYU in this game. I've already taken them in the app. Uh, I'll add to them if it gets to six, if it steams up anymore. But BYU wants to get into a slugfest. They want to get into a pit with you and just, uh, you know, punch each other in the face and grind it out. And they're not going to let you beat them deep. And and that's what I think this game's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't get all of a sudden why everyone loves USC. It seemed like it, everything did a 180 on USC. But really, I mean, they beat Stafford. Did, did something else happen last week that I didn't know about? Did they <laughs> did they beat the Chiefs or something? I, I, I don't know where all this love's coming to make this line for that. And look, Stafford, 
who is headed out to UCF with Oregon on deck, another terrible spot after USC. I don't know how much they can care about this game. It looks like Costello will play, but they lost Walker Little for the year, their future NFL tackle. It looks like Foster Serrell will be out this game. So their offensive line is in shambles. The more I look at this game, the more I think UCF rolls. I I mean, it's just going to be tough for Stanford here. The one thing that makes it tough is fading David Shaw as a dog. It usually doesn't work out well. He's going to try to go ultra conservative, try and, you know, eat up the clock, I'm assuming. What do you see in uh, UCF Stanford? Yeah, this is the game I, I hate, I, I hate, but I'm actually glad that I'm flying up to Green Bay. So for those of you that don't know, I've taken my dad like last 10 years in a row. He grew up in Wisconsin, big time Packers fan. He never got to go to games as a kid or growing up. And, you know, if you can take, if you could do something for your parents, take them, you know, do something like this. Like I'm flying dad up to Green Bay. I take him to a Packers game and the old man is just speechless for three hours while we sit there and watch the pack. And, and, you know, we go up there and have a few beers and catch up when uh, better than we do at Christmas or any other holiday. So I'm actually glad that I'm going to be distracted Saturday night while some of these games are going on. I'll be watching them and I have an eye on everything and I'll read every box score. I don't need the narrative shoved down my throat about how good UCF is. This shit happens every year. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how UCF is the best group of five. I'm tired of hearing about how they need to be in the playoff. And and this game sets up perfectly for them. They finally got a power five team to come into their house. They get to play them at home. This is the biggest game in program history. I don't want to hear anything else. This is they got on their own home turf. Uh, uh, one of the big power five teams to come in. And it's a wounded team. Like, I don't, I don't even know why Costello's playing. Not only did they lose their left tackle, who was, you know, all Pac-12 first team last year. They lost another uh, guy that was a potential, you know, going to be the future starting left tackle. Could have filled in a tackle. Their offensive line is beat up. They're soft in the trench. They could be deep. Keaton Slovis just proved that and meanwhile you got dylan gabriel out here for ucf he only completed like eight passes for 300 yards last week so these guys just throw in chunks Daryl mack jr is healthy again so if they get in short yard situation expect the tank to get back there and run over stanford's defensive line i don't even know why stanford cares about this game i mean they have oregon on deck they just got off usc why would you even play costello why there's no reason to play costello i wouldn't be surprised if he was a game time scratch i mean the line is doing some funky business i mean there's a lot of I mean, it's hanging around that dead number, seven and a half, eight and a half. I just can't. I don't know what's holding this number down because it's just a really bad situation for Stanford. Yep. All right. So let's look at a, a few of the ugliest games on the board that are in, you know, quote unquote, good spots on paper. You know, so let's, you know, Auburn, they have Texas A&M on deck, but they take on Kent State. And if you haven't heard, the Mac is atrocious. They went 1-10 against the spread last week. The only MAC team I like that I've seen so far, I think Ohio will be okay, is Northern Illinois, who I'm on again this week. So is Colin against uh, Nebraska. Maybe they can pull off another uh, outright upset there. But they, they look really good. I, I really like their offense. And the kid from Cal who transferred Ross Bowers, a quarterback, looks great. Um, mm-hmm. But some of these uglier games, I don't know if I can trust Kent State, regardless of how little Auburn cares. They, their offensive line should just manhandle Kent State then you have Oklahoma State, Tulsa. That one is probably the most intriguing to me. Oklahoma State has Texas on deck. Texas, after that LSU game, obviously has Oklahoma State on deck. And they get Rice this weekend. The thing with Rice is Wiley Green's out, which means you got Tom Stewart at quarterback, the Harvard transfer. I do not trust him. Texas mm. might just be able to name it there. Um, and then Notre Dame, New Mexico. You know, Notre Dame has Georgia on deck. They have a lot of injuries, and you know I don't know how much they'll care, but I'm not in a rush to bet New Mexico. The most interesting one to me there is Tulsa against Oklahoma State, who's shown some things so far this year, catching two touchdowns. Any thoughts on any of those, either Auburn, Oklahoma State, Texas, or Notre Dame, looking getting caught looking ahead there? Listen, if Brian Kelly wants to run it up on Bob Davey, he's going to do it. It's there's no there, he has no tie to Bob Davey or New Mexico, but they do have overlooked at Georgia. You know, I wouldn't be sure if they don't go vanilla in the second half. But then again, their vanilla could beat New Mexico any day. Texas Rice is really interesting. You talked about it. Wiley Green is out. He's I mean, he lives up to his name. Kid was just throwing all over uh, Wake Forest uh, up and down the field. He can get out of the pocket. He can make some things happen. Took a pop to the head. He's out. Tom Stewart's in. That doesn't make Rice's uh, effective in the passing game or anywhere really on the field. So can't really do that. And then I did some digging on like, what does Tom Herman do the week after a highly emotional game? Can he pick it back up? And there was nothing there. It turns out he was just 500 against the spread after these massive dog situations and these big primetime games. So no real angle there. Um, You know, the Kent State one, listen, you worked all week. 
You're probably going to get paid on Friday when you're listening to this. The money hits the bank account. You can do better than put your money on Kent State. Kent State's 122nd in the country in havoc allowed. That means they snapped a ball, and the ball's all over the place. Woody Barrett won the quarterback job during the summer. He's out. They're now He's now got a battle going on with a kid named Dustin Crum. Kent State is not worth your money. But Barrett went to transfer from Auburn, but you'll just be rooting right. for the clock to run out. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But Barrett, yeah, Barrett was in Auburn before he transferred to Copaya Lincoln Community College. I actually knew somebody that went there. You know, so the Oklahoma State Tulsa one's really interesting because the Golden Hurricane, you know, right down the street here from me, they're in their second year of their 3-3-5 defense. They haven't really improved in the numbers so far. It's early in the season. But, you know, offensively, I mean, Zach Smith's running it over Boomer, but they're still 120th in the nation in offensive yards per play. So we haven't seen any kind of increase on that side of the ball whatsoever. Oklahoma State's head to Texas next week. That's a money spot for us on the pod. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before. Tom Herman has not beat Mike Gundy since he was an assistant in 2009 at Iowa State. So it's been quite a while since uh, Tom Herman's gotten that off his back. Tulsa's not sacking anybody. They're not getting any pressure on any quarterbacks. And Oklahoma State's converting third downs at a 72% clip. So I know as much as this number is dancing around 14, hitting a 13 and a half and getting fired back up. It's hard for me to, you know, to back Tulsa in this spot. Yeah, all of these, all of these. I, I have no play in any of these. Yeah. The one I'll look, I'll dig a little deeper on is Tulsa, but no real interest in the others. All right. So let's look at some of the other games of the week one slate that we like. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week three. Do you mention the 335 defense of Tulsa? That's a team Michigan State played. This game, I th- I know you have the line a lot lower. I think this is Michigan State playing Arizona State. This is a revenge game from last year. Michigan State went down to Tempe and lost early in 110-degree weather in an ugly game. I think Michigan State absolutely trucks the Sun Devils here. And the reason for it is Arizona State cannot run the ball. So coming into the season, the main storyline was Eno Benjamin behind five senior starters coming back on the offensive line. Well, that hasn't happened. They have a number of injuries up front. True freshman at center, a freshman at guard now. All these guys are out of position, and they can't run the ball. They, they couldn't run the ball against Sac State, the Hornets that you backed. You know, they couldn't run, really run the ball. Kent State had six sacks, I think. Kent State, five or six sacks. So they, they can't move the ball. So now they're going up against the number one rush defense in the country last year and this year. They're not going to be able to move the ball on the ground. And they lost their quarterback from last year. You know, Harry, their first-round draft pick, you know, went to the Patriots at receiver. And they're going to be relying on this freshman, a quarterback, with Sparty with their ears pinned back. I mean, I don't see Arizona State scoring. I like the under. I, You know, you can grab 14 at a couple places in Vegas. I think you have to pay some juice for it elsewhere. But I think this is like 31-7. The game goes under. I know it's a low total, but they saw the 3-3-5 last year at Michigan State when they played Arizona State. They saw the 3-3-5. You know, it's a defense that not a lot of teams run. So when you first see it, it can confuse you a little. So I think that can work in their advantage. The Arizona State defense is still pretty good. And they're playing well this year. So I don't think it gets that out of hand, but I just don't think Arizona State scores. What do you think here? Yeah, the defense is what saved them against Sac State. That The whole, I mean, the bet on that Sac State game was the fact that the Hornets had scored like 77 points against uh, a makeshift team uh, that I don't even know if it was a real team. It could have been, could have just been make-believe. I don't Arkansas. know, because it was, it, it was an NAI, NAIA program they scored 77 against. But I thought if you have any kind of offensive pulse, you're going to be able to cover a big number against Arizona State. And sure enough, I watched that entire game, and I was just waiting for one drive. I wanted one Arizona, just Eno Benjamin, anybody. Just give me one drive of efficiency, move the chains. I know they can hit the big play. That's the entire offense right now. Williams steps back, throws it as deep as he can, and Eno Benjamin or one of the wide receivers will try to get under it, and that's their entire offensive playbook. It's pretty sad at Arizona State from an offensive perspective. You look at what Michigan State's done. They allowed 67 rushing yards to Western Michigan, negative 73 to Tulsa. Teams are averaging negative three rushing yards per game against Michigan State. So you hand the ball off and you lose three yards. I would probably not ever rush the ball. Michigan State is fourth in havoc in the nation. That's no surprise. That's a that's a constant you can bet on every year. So while the spread is 14, 14 and a half, and Michigan State should absolutely cover this, 
I think the question, I mean, the Michigan State's rush game on offense is what I think is going to get to the window because Arizona State does run the 3-3-5 also, and they should be able to at least lock down a little bit in the passing game, uh, whatever Lewerke's going to do. It's the Michigan State rush that you're betting on to cover that 14. But I said to Stuck right before we started podcasting, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Arizona State covered because the final score was 13-0, to 16-3, something like that. Yeah, I, don't, I can't see any way that Michigan State and the under both lose. This Michigan State defense should dominate. Uh, another game that we mentioned before, NIU-Nebraska. We both like the dog here. You make it seven. Uh, I agree. This mm. Nebraska team is just – it's so loved in the market, and I don't get it. But we're both on NIU there. And Ohio State-Indiana mentioned another Big Ten matchup here. Ohio State's getting out to, what, 18-19. QB change, I think, in Indiana. There's, But he's – Phoenix is actually hurt. I, I think he's going to go. I have no feel in that Ohio State-Indiana game, but Ohio State has looked better than I thought they were going to be so far. Obviously, it's only through two weeks. But you like NIU, and how about uh, Ohio State-Indiana? Anything there? Let's start off with Nebraska here for a second because you bring up a really good point. It's like there's so much market love for Nebraska. It's like still carried over from January, February, March. This thing builds up. And then a team like Texas, I actually believe that they deserve market love now after seeing what they did against LSU. Nebraska is still getting all this love. And it's similar to other teams. You don't know their ceiling and you don't know their floor. I don't know Nebraska's floor. I don't know Maryland's ceiling. I don't know uh, a lot of these teams, uh, you know, exactly how far they're going to fall off the table. Like I think Syracuse is is really really bad so in the case of nebraska their offensive line is 130th in the nation and passing down sack rate 130th out of 130 teams that means anybody is going to be able to get to adrian martinez he's going to have to go to the air he's going to have tons of pressure his rushing has been horrid this year uh i mean i make nebraska minus seven the numbers just way too big to play on you know niu was because of the number. I have it at seven. If you follow S P Plus, they have it at nine. So, I mean, this number is just way too much. You know, both teams are outside the top 100 in rushing yards. Um, you know, rushing yards per attempt in Northern Illinois is top 20 in almost every single defensive rushing category. So, I don't expect Adrian Martinez to go anywhere, and I don't expect his offensive line to protect him. So, I like Northern Illinois in the spot. Indiana game, I can't trust Indiana in this spot. I know that they've, they've moved on from Peyton Ramsey. The guy was efficient but not explosive. I don't think he ever completed a pass over five yards. He was just you know two-step drop and out to the flats. And Peyton Ramsey never did anything too exciting to get the ball moving. And now Michael Penix is in there running running the offense for him. And he may be a little bit more explosive. But Ohio State, I don't know their ceiling. I mean, they've looked really good and nothing's really stopped them yet. So no play for me, no matter how big the Indiana number gets. Because I have it at like 14, but still at 16, I'm not, I'm not a buyer on Indiana. I've seen this before. There's still a thing between Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator Ohio State and his relationship with Tom Allen, the head coach of Indiana, that goes back a few years. And Wilson would try to stomp a mud hole in Allen's ass any t- and he has before in this series. So I'm not trusting Indiana. I- I'm not playing that side at all. Yeah, and you mentioned Northern Illinois. Their offense has looked a lot better. They, I watched that game against Utah. They competed with Utah the entire time. Rod Carey, who left for Temple, who we're going to get to next, you could tell their offense has taken the next step with Bowers and Tears at receiver. I, I like the way that NIU looks and competes, and the run defense, they lost a couple pieces on defense, looks to be just as good. Uh, speaking of Rod Carey, who went to Temple, uh, is now he was, the I think, the third or fourth head coach that Temple had in the offseason. They'll take on Maryland. This is basically Temple's first game. Temple Temple's the only team in the nation that hasn't played a game yet. I think they played Bucknell in like seven weeks ago. But they take on a Maryland team coming off a huge win over a fraudulent Syracuse team who we'll get to. The question I like I love this Temple team coming into the year. There's a lot to like about them. I like Russo at quarterback. Their offensive line is solid. There's some pieces to like on defense. You know, there's yeah, their secondary has to really come together, but I like their front seven, which is going to be big against Maryland. Have the extra time to prepare for this game. You know, Maryland does have revenge here. I do think that I don't think they're going to be necessarily overlooking Temple. I just think this number is too high. The one question we had about Temple is, you know, is Rod Carey, who we're not a fan of, going to hold them back? But I think over a touchdown here, we both agree. you got to go with Temple. We I played the Owls as soon as I saw that seven and a half. And apparently it's not high enough because from everything I'm reading, yeah, the whole world is on Maryland here, I guess, just overreacting to last weekend. Yeah, overreaction city is how, you know, that's the name of the game in college football, especially the first few weeks. You don't know what teams are for real and what teams aren't. And in the case of Maryland, we haven't found their ceiling yet. Now, for Temple, you're right. They played Bucknell, not a very good team at all whatsoever. Uh, The Owls beat them 56 to 12. They allowed just 21 rushing yards on 26 attempts. 
Maryland outscored Howard and Syracuse 142 to 20. I'm not trying to, you know, throw digs at Syracuse, but I mean, you know, I, I'm not surprised that the score has been 142 to 20. They legitimately blew out Syracuse. They were 11 to 15 on third down was Maryland. Uh, they had four rushers with uh, explosive plays. They had four receivers with explosive catches. I know it's early and you guys got to take this with everything. Uh, you know, when I say havoc rate and line yards and, you know, opportunity rate and stuff rate, I know it's only been one or two in the sample set. And I know FCS games are mixed into these stats, but Maryland, they're coming off one of the biggest victories of an unranked team over a ranked team since 1999. And I think at this point, everybody thinks that they're just on fire and, and they're a contender in the Big Ten. This Temple team inherited, uh, Rob should say Rod Carey took this job. He inherited a ton of great players from Jeff Collins. This is where we find where Maryland's ceiling is, I think, buying them at seven. And it looks like, you know, some of the sharper books we've looked at, a couple of them come down to six and a half. So I took this at seven and a half on the app, down to seven. I would suggest it at seven or better. Maybe a little money line this weekend on Temple. A little teaser there uh, on what we'll get to later. I think there's just a pure market of reaction that got this over seven. And I think that's it. I mean, last year, if you look at Temple's defense, what were they? Top 10 in defending explosiveness, I believe. And that's what you need to do uh, against Maryland. Uh, All right, let's get to two of the more marquee games of the weekend. Now, there's not, you know, your blockbuster games, but there are some good ones. And we'll have, we won't spend a ton of time on either because we'll, on the Action Network app and actionnetwork.com, we'll have, really in-depth betting guides that Colin and I will both contribute to uh, previewing both of these games. But let's start with Iowa, Iowa State. This total has come down a little bit. Iowa is a two-ish, one-and-a-half-point favorite. I've just been sitting here waiting for it to get the three so I can take the Cyclones, and it just refuses to get there. Uh, The questions with Iowa State, well, they have the best front seven, I think, in the Big 12, going against an Iowa offensive line that's missing its best piece. And I think, you know, they might struggle to run the ball. But the question is, what is Iowa State's offense? Because the only time we've seen them is, you know, in a near loss. And I still can't believe that Northern Iowa didn't go for two. But they clearly, clearly missed Hakeem Butler uh, and David Montgomery. But is that just a one-off game thing? They've had a bunch of time to prepare for this. These games have is, you know, in recent years have been really, really close. Matt Campbell, we talked about him a lot. We both love him. One of the best against the spread coaches, active coaches in NCAA. What are you seeing here in Iowa, Iowa State? Yeah, Matt Campbell made some comments this week about how he enjoyed having the bye after uh, after the game against uh, Northern Iowa. So I guess it works to their benefit. They weren't, you know, I mean, this schedule was made long ago, but Matt Campbell was really happy that he got two weeks to prepare specifically for this game. As far as the point spread is concerned, we have this as Iowa State minus one. There are other power rating systems out there that have this at Iowa minus three. So to me, I think the line and the total as it kind of dips around in between a field goal, I think it's kind of spot on. I think at three on either side, plus three, you definitely want to have value if you're live betting this it may not be a bad idea to have a little plus three on the on the hawkeyes a little plus three on the cyclones but you know i allowed just 125 yards to rutgers a rutgers offense that we thought was good because of umass we'll get to umass later but they beat rutgers 30 to zero before that they allowed 245 yards to miami of ohio and they beat them 38 to 14 uh stanley's missing some weapons so we don't know really where he's going to go although i will say this the key matchup to me is the fact that iowa state lost both their corners from last year's team i think that's where nate stanley's going to target uh and specifically he's going to look at amir smith uh marset because that's the receiver two years ago that caught the winning comeback td uh in overtime i think so I, I think he's going to take full advantage of the corners. And as a fantasy player, I get Smith Marset in there. Uh, but, you know, I'm not really worried about the Northern Iowa game. We've talked about this before. Last year, this shit happened against Drake. They beat Drake by three in a, like an ice storm, mud ice storm that was going on before Thanksgiving. Uh, it didn't affect them whatsoever. So I just think it's one of those in-state, don't care, uh, pull it out by three. I'm not sure it was uh, at the top of uh, Matt Campbell's list to, to really put it, hammer it down on the Panthers. Yep. I would agree there. The other other game that a lot of people are talking about is Alabama, South Carolina. And the reason for this is the only team in the SEC to win its last meeting against Alabama is South Carolina. That's it. That's the only team back in 2010 when they pulled off an upset. People are saying this monumental upset. Well, I mean, they were seven and a half point home dogs. Alshon Jeffrey went nuts uh, with a no-name quarterback. Who was it? Garcia? Garcia. Garcia. Yeah, they ended up pulling off the upset 35-21. What you have going on here, and the hardest thing to cap, is you have a freshman quarterback. So Jake Benley's obviously out for the year. And you have a kid who's not – this isn't his first start. He looked pretty good last week, albeit against Charleston Southern. Uh, But the key is uh, what can he do against Alabama? The other question is how good – is Alabama. So we obviously know they're great. 
They're one of the best teams in the country, but they played two little sisters of the poor to start the year. They played Duke at Duke. They were, it was kind of close throughout, and then last week, just throw the game out. You know, So this was their first really competitive game, and it's on the road. But can you trust a freshman here at quarterback for South Carolina and a South Carolina defense that got absolutely torched by North Carolina? Can you trust them? Uh-huh. Not the win. Throw that out. I mean, maybe crazier things have happened. But can you trust them to keep this within 24 points? You mean the South Carolina defense that got torched by Sam Howe, the freshman of North Carolina? We'll get the, we'll get the Sam Howe. He's finally going to be out, outside the friendly <laughs> confines of Chapel Hill. So Ryan Helinski is our freshman quarterback here, uh, you know, brother of, uh, of Tyler Helinski from Washington State. Uh, so he is the freshman here playing for South Carolina. He steps in after Jake Bentley had a season-ending injury. I actually kind of marked it as an upgrade. Uh, I think Helinski, you know, is going to be a little bit more accurate and have a little bit less INTs than Jake Bentley. You know, South Carolina so far is top 10 in the nation in yards per play. They're getting it done on offense. They're doing okay on defense, but, I mean, it's not like they've played anybody. I mean, they did play North Carolina, and, and they were able to put up some – Put up some yards and, and play some good defense there. But Alabama is sixth in Havoc allowed so far. They're not beating themselves at all. South Carolina is not going to be able to get any pressure on a young offensive line of Alabama. And they're not going to be able to you know make two and make bad decisions. Alabama wants to get the run game going. Uh, I think the reason why this number covers is if Saban sits on the ball. Now, I went and I did a whole bunch of research on Muschamp versus Saban. And I couldn't find a time when Muschamp was a defensive coordinator or head coach, whether it be Florida or Auburn. I mean, these two were on the same staff at LSU together. Uh, Muschamp went to the Miami Dolphins with him for the first year before he left and, and, and came back to college football. And the only time I could find Muschamp ever covered against him, I think, was in 2009. So it's been a really long time since Muschamp has had a victory against the number against Saban. This, it's got backdoor cover written all over it. It's sitting in a dead zone. Wait. Let the steam come in. If it gets up to 27 and a half or 28, consider taking South Carolina, but still I think you're banking on a backdoor. Yeah, I think that's the way to go about it. If he gets to 27, 28, you got to look South Carolina. If not, uh, I'll either ride with the fishes in back down or stay away. Do you think anything about the under, though? Because, I mean, that game against New Mexico State, there's just there's no resistance against the Alabama rush whatsoever, which turned in these huge explosive touchdowns. Now the number's at 62, uh, you know, and, and I, I made it somewhere in the mid-50s. And I, my thinking is, is if Alabama goes I, I into complete... They got they to, just this freshman kid, they got to try and shorten this game and run clock right. and they can't play fast. Uh, I would agree with yeah. that. I do like the under, yeah. Speaking of Bama, the team that's in my backyard, Kentucky, they have a new quarterback who was supposed to originally play baseball at Alabama. Uh, Sawyer Smith will be the quarterback who some of you might say, Sawyer Smith, the fuck do I know that name from? He's been a quarterback in D1 before uh, at Troy. He had like a huge bowl game. He's now the starter because Terry Wilson's out for the year. They take on Florida. This line has been floating in the dead zone. I think it's up to nine, maybe. Yeah, the big news here is Florida has revenge over Kentucky. The first time you can say that in 17 billion years because uh, Kentucky beat Florida last year, 27-16. It was the first time, I think, in like 30 years that they beat them. So uh, it's a tough ask for Kentucky here, but maybe Sawyer Smith gives them a spark at quarterback. What do you see here uh, with the Cats? What's up, EBN? So Sawyer Smith of Troy, right? Yep. That would be that would mean it would be your favorite bowl of all time, the Dollar General Bowl, which uh, we'll, we'll get to during bowl season. Stucky, I don't think has ever been to a Dollar General, seen a Dollar General. We, we got to get you some one dollar items. Out I've of the seen dollar one. I actually saw one the other day. But, uh, <laughs> I'm new to the South, but I don't know why the hell I would go in there. What am I going to buy in the Dollar General? All right. So the you Gators sell food in the Dollar General. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Before we move on, did you see that the Sun Bowl is now called the Tony the Tiger Bowl? Like, it's not even Frosted Flakes. It's Tony the Tiger Bowl. I can't wake up hungover on, like, New Year's Eve and talk about Tony the Tiger Bowl. Anyways, all right, let's move on. That bowl is going to be great. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Terrible. We're so off track. All right. So Sawyer Smith, here's the book out on Sawyer Smith. Not an efficient quarterback, does not move the chains, is not going to get you a first down all the time. Major arm, can throw it 50 yards down the field, put it on a dime, get you an explosive play. That's how Sawyer Smith rolls. And that is the thing I think that can keep this within the number. The Gators offensive line, they're outside the top 100 in stuff rate. And right now they're just not getting the push they need to. We know that there's four offensive linemen that are freshmen. That was the problem. That was the handicap during Miami. Uh, They're just not getting the required rushing yards when they need it. Kentucky's offensive line is 15th in opportunity rate 40th and stuff rate when they need the yards they actually are getting movement uh you know so florida's defensive line sack rate is second in the nation they're highly ranked in havoc they're top 15 in all rushing categories so sawyer smith has his work cut out for him this kentucky offensive line has their work cut out for him they're going to be under pressure 
all day. But that arm is probably what's going to save him with some explosive plays. So Florida has to beat them through the air. I think Sawyer Smith can get it done from a covering the spread perspective. Uh, The number is about where we make it. I think this kid is going to surprise. I think he's going to show up. We've seen him do it before. He always did at Troy. He was the biggest reason why we love Troy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to back Kentucky in this spot. It's it's at a dead number again. You know, would love to get a key number at this spot, but I'm willing to weigh it out, see if it steams. You know, Florida's just not owning the trench like they should on the offensive side of the ball. And that's a, probably a good reason to say that Kentucky can cover. Yeah, I'm, I'm, if I had 10, I'd think about Kentucky. This is a tough spot, and Florida special teams don't sleep on them as well. Um, and look, what do we really know about Kentucky? They beat two MAC teams, and from what we've seen from the MAC, ugh. So maybe we shouldn't be as impressed with the two and zero start for Kentucky, but we'll see. I think if there's a ten, you got to look at the Cats. Um, all right, a couple of the games we wanted to mention. Speaking of the MAC, I'll throw a game out here. I'll write this game up. I'm gonna back Akron on the road. Oh, uh, I can't believe I'm saying it. I know the line has crashed. That's because Central Michigan's entire team is out, so it's obviously adjusting to that. So their quarterback. Quentin Dormady is out. David Moore will take over at quarterback at Community College transfer. He, I believe, is like 3 of 11 for one yard against Wisconsin. <laughs> he had one yard passing or something. You know, they lost their running back, Jonathan Ward. So they're not going to be able to pass on Akron. I think Akron could actually have some success. So the strength of Central Michigan, it's an oxymoron. The strength of Central Michigan team's terrible. But they can defend the run a little bit. Uh, so can Akron. So you can pass on Akron, but Central Michigan's not going to have their quarterback, so I don't think they're going to be able to throw downfield. I don't think Akron's going to be able to run the ball in Central Michigan, but I think Cato Nelson has found some pretty good deep threats down the field. Some receivers have emerged from Akron. It's one of the bright spots on a terrible team. So I think they'll be able to throw it. I believe Akron's just still just like a one- or two-point dog here. I think Akron wins at Central Michigan, who is just completely – decimated from that game against Wisconsin last week. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm going to back the zips uh, on the road. Am I crazy? Do you have any thoughts there? You want Cato Nelson under. I know it's his third game. I know he's getting acclimated to the offense. I know how bad Central Michigan is. If you want to go with Cato Nelson, you got to do this alone, my friend. I will be venturing out alone, just like I will with Texas State. Thank you for getting me on them. I'm about to be 0-3 against the spread <laughs> on Texas State. Uh, another game that I'm going to be betting, I'll write this up as well on the Action Network app at actionnetwork.com. I'm going to be back in Meet Meet. Meet Meet. Uh, UTSA. And it's not about the hangover. You could say that, you know, Army lost that. You know, they, they barely lost to Michigan in a game. They maybe should have won. Uh, why are they throwing it, by the way? Just kick the field goal or just run it? You probably run it in. Anyway. Army, Navy, these kids are just like show up to work, lunch pail. They don't really have, they're not really as susceptible to letdown spots and hangovers. It can happen, but it's not really my reasoning here. My reasoning is very simple. I got away from it last weekend. Double digit service academy favorites in college football are absolutely abysmal. I think they're under 40%. Uh, We did it in week one with Rice, and Army barely beat Rice. Uh, They won 14 7. And I actually think UTSA has a better D-line than Rice. This is just a game where the, the possessions will be few and far between. The clock will be speed racing. And I'm betting that UTSA can keep it within 17. Hold your noses. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm with you. Like you when you said it, like, uh, you know, when we when you and I first convened on Sunday and you said UTSA, I was like, oh, God, I know we have to do this. We have to do this. Wrote up a, a, an article for my week three preview. I compared this to my son taking nasty cough medicine uh, and staring at me, just giving me the eyes. Like, I can't believe you're making me do this. I'm actually on UTSA too, but I'm on it for different reasons. Stock stock has very valid and good reasons about why you should be on UTSA. But I'm going to go with the fact that UTSA actually might put up more of a fight on the defensive line in the front seven than Michigan. This is a huge hangover spot, and I actually make the game over but both teams have a subnet yards per play differential. What that means is neither both of them are offensively not doing what they should be doing or what you think Army is doing. They're actually allowing more yards per play on the defensive side of the ball than they are on the offensive side of the ball. For me, this comes down to stuff rate. If you ever listen to the podcast, whether last year, two years, whatever, if you're going to handicap Army and you're going to take a stance against Army, it's going to be with teams that are good on the defensive line and stuff rate and opportunity rate, not allowing them to get two yards when they need to and not allowing them to get five, four yards when they need to stopping them in short yardage situation utsa was 37th last season and stuff 
23rd in opposition rate. They're putting up good numbers again on the defensive line so far. Even though they got blown out by Baylor, they still held Baylor to being only 50% successful in short yardage situation. They were able to stop a couple second and goals, first and goals. If you go through the play log, UTSA didn't have a problem stopping the run in short yardage situations. That's what you have to have to beat Army. So I'm going to take the 17. I've got the number higher, but I mean, it's Service Academy. This is going to be fun. This one's going to be tough because it's just on the NFL the, Network. Just take the, take the damn cough medicine. Uh, yeah, and it's on <laughs> NFL Network. NFL Network, for some reason, signed a deal with the Conference USA, which is hilarious. So, um, yeah, you can get your NFL Network fix in on Saturday. Yeah, so that'll cover the ugly portion of the episode with uh, Central Michigan Akron and Army UTSA. Uh, I do, before we get to you know our FCS and go three and out here. I do have to mention Clemson Syracuse. It's at twenty eight ish now, and this is a Syracuse team that has played Clemson very tough the last two years. They could have won the last two years. Um, they won two years ago, and last year they gave Clemson a scare. But this Syracuse team is just not good. And they were exposed against Maryland. Tommy DeVito is just not good. I do not trust him as far as I can throw him. Uh, And look, the defense is just not as good. The defensive line is great, but that's about it. And what they're going to have to do is punt. And their their special teams are still elite. They're going to have to like punt to the one, hope for, I don't know. This could get ugly, but the line's too high. So I can't lay 28. Anything on Clemson and Syracuse? Is there any shot of the scare again? Yeah, you're paying a premium here because we make this number 23, so 27 and a half, 28 is a high number. But at the same time, Stuck mentions that Syracuse was kind of exposed against Maryland. I'd argue that they were exposed the week before against Liberty. They needed some red zone turnovers by Buckshot Calvert and the Liberty offense uh, to cover that number. Uh, the box scores have not been clean. Syracuse is not good under Tommy DeVito. They're not the same defense they were the last two years. And don't think for one second that Clemson doesn't remember going up there on a Friday night two years ago and Kelly Brighton getting popped and knocked out of the game. And that was their one loss during the regular season two years ago. Or last year, Trevor Lawrence getting popped and it was the biggest scare of their entire season. I don't care what number you throw up there. I think Clemson's defense is going to absolutely shut Syracuse down. I'd be shocked if Syracuse got over 10, 13 points. Like I said, you're buying it at a premium. I would take Clemson in the end. I don't care about all the money and all the tickets being on Clemson. I don't care about any of the RLM or the contrarian or any of that shit. I'm telling you, Clemson is centered on this game. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence has heard that everybody else is ahead of him in the Heisman standings. So I just, I wouldn't want any part of fading Clemson this week. I agree with you. You give me 31, maybe I'll think about it, but I, I don't know. I don't want any part <laughs> of Q's this week. Uh, a game that you make, you're going to make me talk about, uh, so I might as well mention it beforehand, is a team that you love. And speaking of Clemson, this is a good transition because they play Clemson next yeah. week. I can't wait to see what that number is and if you're going to uh, have the balls to bet it. But Charlotte taking on UMass. I'm going to say it again, people. UMass is the new UConn. What's that smell? It stinks. What do you mean? This trash. The sweet, sweet trash. The trash is a gold mine. Gold mine. Gold mine. And uh, Charlotte, you've fallen in love with. Did they just blow UMass out of the water? We need a t-shirt. UMass is the new UConn. I like that. Charlotte has now been offensively just a juggernaut in their last two box scores. Their new head coach came from Austin P. If that sounds familiar, Will Healy at Austin P. They gave Central Florida a scare uh, when they played them up until halftime before the governors finally couldn't keep up with the pace of play and everything. But for an entire half, Will Healy gave Central Florida everything that they had handled. Now he's at Charlotte, and they're putting up very impressive box scores. Last week, that game against App State, which I may be the only one that watched this game, Charlotte was contending. Charlotte was there the whole entire time. There was an onside kick at the end that App State actually ran back for a touchdown to make this score look like it was 15 points. But Charlotte was within one possession with just a couple minutes left in that game. You look at UMass, one of the most embarrassing losses by an FBS team since... Oh, God, I almost said it. Arkansas losing to Citadel in 92. I mean, this is just an embarrassing loss. So UMass, they started off with, uh, you know, they've got Randall West. He got pulled for quarterback Brito. Um, these guys got blown out by Rutgers at the end of their game. They got blown out by Southern Illinois last week. Lots of players are talking about not losing the locker room. They need to improve the way they eat, improve the way they go to class. Uh, you know, Southern Illinois limited UMass to two yards per carry. 
They played only five in the box most of the game. That was the stat stuck. I could not absolutely believe when I read it. Southern Illinois only played five guys in the box, and they limited UMass to two yards per carry. That is and look how many yards they got per play. And this I, is a Southern Illinois team that got blown out by SEMO when week one. SEMO, yeah. Not far from not far here in the Midwest. So to, to end on Charlotte, Charlotte's on revenge from last year. They lost 49-31 to 31 up in Amherst last year. You need to get running back Benny LeMay in your fantasy lineup. Uh, he, he's just Mr. Everything for Charlotte. Uh, UMass's yards per play differential so far. Minus 2.97. Charlotte positive 1.15. Charlotte's defense ranks top 10 in sacks so far this year. They're averaging four per game. They played App State. I mean, it's not like they played somebody bad. They played App State. Charlotte against Clemson. So I want everybody to hear this because yes, I'm going to be playing. I mean, Clemson moves on to North Carolina after next week, so they're not going to care about Charlotte, but Charlotte's going to care a lot about that game. I project the spread right now before box score grading of this weekend for Clemson to be a 43-point favorite over Charlotte. The number is going to open at Circa. Everybody else is going to probably copy and open up their own number. The money's going to come in on Clemson. It's going to steam all week. And when I see that there's resistance in the market, I'm going to take it. I will be on Charlotte against Clemson, but I'm going to wait until I get whatever a key number up is in the 40s, like a 45, right? Hopefully over 42, but that's how we play Charlotte. Yeah, if you're going to bet any 49ers this weekend, bet Charlotte. Don't bet San Fran. All right, so do you have anything else to say about North Carolina? North Carolina schools. You have Duke. Before we get to Friday Night Lights, you have Duke, ECU, who you love, App State. But Wake, this is North Carolina battle. It's going to be interesting. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I should pick up and move there. I'm not I'm not paying attention to these Oklahoma teams and Arkansas teams. I should move to North Carolina. All right. Let's get to one of my favorite segments, but it's not going to be this week. Maybe you'll have to carry it. Uh, FCS or no, where we look at <laughs> any of the FCS, FBS matchups that we like. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC Yes or No. First couple weeks have gone well. There's not much I really like this week. Uh, I don't think I'm going to write up anything. I might not bet anything. If you someone on Twitter asked me about Colgate, William & Mary, been fading Colgate, but I looked into that game. I actually think it's cheap. I would lean Colgate, but have no interest in betting them as an 11.5-point favorite. If I had to pick one FBS matchup to bet this week, and I don't think I'm going to, not going to be throwing any peanuts that way, is Weber State. Nevada is trash. This team is officially trash. That's <laughs> And look out for uh, Weber State's return man. Uh, Rashid is one of the best in the country. I think Weber State makes that a game. Um, they should have beat San Diego State. If uh, his his punt return, his kick, 99-yard kick return doesn't get called back. But he's going to be returning in the NFL. Uh, so I don't really love anything. So that's le- I'm going to leave yeah. it up to you. Do you have anything in the uh, FCS space for people to dabble well, in? Uh, yeah, I'll do two real quick. I took Citadel, Georgia Tech on the under 61. It's just going to be the pace of play. Citadel with a triple option offense. Georgia Tech, I don't think Jeff Collin wants to attempt to pass for the rest of the season. I think he's happy with just getting whoever he can line up behind the offensive line and run the ball. Uh, I thought 61 was way too high. I took the under. It's at 57 and a half. I'd keep on taking it on the under and Citadel should cover a large number at 26. So we'll see which way that goes. The other one, South Carolina state is taking on South Florida. South Florida is on a bender. They haven't won a game. Uh, it's been damn near a whole entire calendar year. Uh, South Florida is on one heck of a bender after winning, I think six straight and then losing their final seven last year. Uh, Kerwin Bell, the new offensive coordinator from Valdez to state has pulled Blake Barnett. He says there's going to be new quarterback, new system, new scheme, new everything. Meanwhile, South Carolina state two weeks ago, beat Wolford, beat him pretty handily. I mean, it was kind of a fraud box score. They didn't win the total yards. It has some turnovers, but the, the Terriers are actually ranked in the FCS poll. So it's a quality win, but the number is, you know, 24 and a half. That's way too many points when Kerwin Bell is pulling Blake Barnett and everybody and switching schemes and completely changing what's going on in South Florida. So I think there's some value there on South Carolina State. There you have it. Some FCS games to dabble in. So before we get out of here, it's time to go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. First, I'll make you lie to me, and you got to tell me about your hogs, who, for those not familiar, Colin went to Arkansas, is an Arkansas fan, unfortunately, WPS, we, P-H-U-C-K-I-N-G, suck. 
They're 10-point favorites over Colorado State. Colorado State is seeking revenge. This game was one of our – the games that we got called on our voicemails the most about last year when uh, Colorado State came back to win that game. I believe we were up either by 14 or 17, and the spread was, what, 14? Yeah, but uh, Arkansas shit the bed in the in the second yes. half of that game. Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. And, you know, this year the, the spread opened up uh, above 10. It's fallen down to 8.5. Got some buyback on Arkansas. Listen. We've switched to Nick Starkle. Thank you for transferring Ben Hicks. Your time is up. <laughs> Nick Starkle can have one explosive play and then two penalties followed right after that to take that off the board. We are a very incapable offense uh, that showed against Ole Miss. Uh, Starkle is capable of, of making of connecting on plays, but he's not able. He's not. He's not capable of doing that in a series of plays. So you can't trust them whatsoever. Meanwhile, Colin Hill over at Colorado State is hitting two different wide receivers on 75-yard bombs. He had almost 400 yards passing last week. They won. Colorado State won the box score against Colorado. I mean, they legitimately won the box score. It was clean. They lost the game outright, but that's Colorado State football. So I think Colorado State's going to be able to get the ball down the field. I think it's going to be hit and miss for us, a couple explosive plays. I will say in a lie to me segment, I won't have any more than two tweets about Arkansas after we lose this game. You're going to bet. Do you have a bet in already on Colorado State? Yeah, Colorado State. I'm probably going to get a money line in here right after we get off the horn here. All right. Can you talk, by the way, can you talk to one of your many odds makers friends and tell them to move Arizona to plus three for me? Tired of getting waiting for alerts on that game. Um, Sitting around like all these NFL lines sitting on two and a half, right? You can never get to wait for that three to clip. Yeah. By the way, are we betting UCLA if it touches 24? Yes, right? Absolutely not. No, you can touch. I I think I have to bet it at 24. What do you make it? I made it 19. It's way too, it's yeah, way too high. 24. Right. I got to bet it. I got to bet it, brother. You're gonna, 24. You realize Jalen Hurts has nine touchdowns and seven incompletions. Sell high, brother. You know that. Um, <laughs> this line is crazy. All right. So, I mean, UCLA is terrible. This is a classic buy low, sell high spot. Uh, and that's why the line is maybe going to get the 24. Um, on second down, let's talk Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. Uh, we have a, an interesting Friday night slate with a couple games that I actually bet. You know, one of the more intriguing games, I think, for a lot of people just on paper is Wazoo and Houston. Wazoo's out to a 10-point favorite. Their yards per player, silly. I mean, this offense looks ridiculous, Washington State, and Leach out there, where Houston looks dreadful. The over-under is 73.5. You'll hear a lot of, and it came down from 75, you'll hear a lot of square bettors be like, oh, two air raids, bet the over. But Houston's a snail under Dana this year. It's very odd. Uh, They're playing a lot differently. Maybe he's going to come out and play how he has before at West Virginia, but they're snailish, so I can't recommend the over. I don't know if I necessarily play the under either. But Washington State doesn't necessarily play fast, but they might score every possession on this Houston defense. I also played Kansas. Man, I played a lot of ugly teams this weekend. I got the 21 and a half, and I said, nope, too high. Uh, Puka came back last week. Hopefully he can give me a couple big plays. Uh, anything over three touchdowns I think is crazy. At 21, I'd still play it, um, but I had to take 21 and a half. And then the game we disagree on, Wake UNC in a battle of two Carolina schools. Uh, I like Wake, and you obviously love UNC. I just think the UNC love is getting out of hand here. Look, they won two games, but they probably should have lost to Miami. They got outgained by 100 yards. They converted a fourth and forever at the end of the game. Um, Sam Howells led all these miraculous 100-yard touchdown drives, which you have to give him credit for. But now he leaves the friendly confines of Chapel Hill for his first road game, and it should be a pretty electric environment at Wake Forest. And one thing that people aren't talking about, you know, Nick Polino, their center is out, but their, fr- their freshman came in during two of their biggest drives against Miami, and he was okay. Antoine Green, their receiver, is questionable. But the biggest loss to me for North Carolina is Patrice Renee, their corner, who pro football focus led the ACC last year in opponent quarterback rating and uh, completion percentage. Most importantly, he was their tallest corner. He was a senior. He's played. This is his fourth year that he's playing at corner two at North Carolina. And he was their tallest corner. So they lose their best and tallest corner, which is a big deal against those towers that 
that Wake Forest throws to. I think this should be a touch over a field goal. And I know if the game is late and Wake is trailing, I have Mr. Clutch on my side, Jamie Newman, to drive me down the field and get me a win in cover. Uh, I like Wake, and you vehemently disagree here. We'll be on opposing sides here. What are your thoughts on the Friday night slate? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with you on the under on Washington Houston. I actually uh, made a little bet here live on the podcast, taking a little bit of money on the under 73 and a half. Uh, the pace of play for Houston's been a lot slower than people expected under Dana. Uh, so I expect there to be a lot more stops and a lot more punts than people expect. Kansas game, I make it BC minus 17. So there is value on Kansas if you want to go that route with them on the road. As far as North Carolina Wake Forest goes, listen. I think Sam Howe is elite. I make the game North Carolina minus one on the road. You love Phil uh, Longo. I love Phil Longo, the offensive quarterback boot over. I love Jay Bateman from Army. Here's here's the handicap. Both Wake Forest and North Carolina are extremely explosive offenses, and I don't trust Wake Forest's defense to get the stop as much as I do North Carolina's. Uh, so for that reason, I'm happy with the three and a half that I got on opener. If you can't get three and a half, which is none on the market right now, or it dips underneath a three, play this thing live. These are two extremely explosive offenses. This thing's going to be 7-0, 14-0, 14-7. Number, the number's going to be all over the place live. Try to get it on both sides. I would rather wait than probably take up a side right now. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll have much more on that on the site. And uh, Colin and I maybe will be tweeting at each other during the game uh, on opposing sides. So pick a side and join one of us. And then before we get out of here on third down, let's do our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Colin has hit both legs of his the first two weeks. I feel like I've been just unjustly fucked, and both of my teams at least should have had a shot. At least I should have split them. Um, But this week, so I'm going really simple this week. I'm going really low, and uh, I decided to do this during the podcast when I saw your reaction to the team on betting. I'm going with the Zips. I'm going with Akron on the road. That's a very, very short one, one and a half point dog. I'm telling you, Central Michigan with their backups is going to look atrocious. We're going with the Zips on the road. And you? you better not go 0 and 3. We better not go 0 and 3 because of Akron. I'm going Temple. I'm going Temple plus 215 is my money line, uh, money line parlay. All right. There you have it. We got the Zips uh, on the road. Uh, in a Mac game, uh, which is, you know, be around plus, you know, 115-ish. And we have Temple player on plus 250. So it'll pay out around six, seven to one-ish. Uh, so hopefully we can cash this one. I can get on the winning side. And now I'm going to make you have to pay attention and root for Akron on the road in some action. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining me. As always, Colin, if you haven't, rate, review, you know the drill. Catch us Saturday morning on our live show. You can catch me on Twitter at Stucky2. Colin is at underscore Colin2Ls1. Leave voicemails this weekend. Good luck. Win some money. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.